singing in a coma, preaching in a coma, don't know what's going on, amen. But anyway, if you have a Bible, would you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter number two, please? Ephesians chapter number two. I, I preached on uh, Tuesday night, we, we, we preached about revival, and uh, we ended off the, uh, the message on the fact that we need to fight for, I'm sorry, I, I gotta get this. got my head if it wasn't on my body amen all right thank you brother bob i was wondering what brother bob was doing i thought man the spirit's already moving amen <laughs> amen <laughs> a little waving going on there amen all right we got to get some uh here we go i think we're good now <laughs> we good oh hey there it is Anyway, Tuesday night we preached on revival and we ended off with that message saying that revival is something we need to, pray for, uh, we need to fight for. Amen. And, uh, and that led us right into uh, last night's message, tonight's message, and by God's grace, tomorrow night's message. And that is uh, the enemies of revival are the enemies of the believer. Amen. Uh, the devil the, the world and the flesh. These are the enemies of revival. In fact, these are the reasons we need revival. Amen. It wasn't for the devil and it wasn't for the world and it wasn't for my flesh. We wouldn't need to have any revival. Amen. In fact, we probably wouldn't need church. We'd already be in heaven by then, right? But the fact of the matter is uh, the reason why we, we come together and, and, and have the singing and have the preaching and, and have the fellowshipping is because every once in a while we just need a good dose of God's working in our heart. Amen. To just help realign us, if you will, and, and get us straight again to, to some degree. Amen. And so um, last night I preached on the devil and uh, we, we focused on the fact that we need to face him in order to fight him. And uh, the devil's real. Too many times we, we credit so many other things and we just don't realize that the devil's behind it. We would have a lot less fighting going on if somebody would, may, would discern that the devil's behind somebody else who may be instigating something without telling them the devil's working through them. You understand that, right? It's one thing for you to sit there and to look at somebody who may be uh, antagonizing you or saying something to you uh, or whatever it is. It's one thing to look through them and realize the devil's trying to do something and we need to pray for God to shut him down than to say to that person, man, the devil's really using you because that's not going to help. Can I get a witness on that one? Uh, married couples, we understand that. Amen. I mean, look, we like that. You know, the devil's using you right now. I got to preach next week. And then, you know, that doesn't help. That's basically throwing gasoline on the fire. It's not helping at all. But I'll be honest with you, if I was more spiritual and spirit-filled, I'd see what's going on and I'd shut it right off and say, you're right, honey. In fact, that might actually cause a revival right there. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, last night we focused on the devil is our enemy. We need to face him. We need to fight him. But then here's the second thing tonight that we want to focus on, and, and that is that the, 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 the world is the enemy of the believer. Uh, by the way, look with me, if you would, for a moment in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 to 3 for a moment just to kind of get going here. And the Bible says, and you hath he quickened. And by the way, the you is uh, you that are saved. Amen. If you're saved, this applies to you. And you hath he quickened, which means made alive. The day that you got saved, you were made alive. Your spirit was made 
alive, amen? And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse two says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Basically, verse two says, look, before you got saved, you were stuck in the world. You were stuck under the influence of the devil, the God of this world, amen? And then verse number three says this, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And basically verse three is saying we were stuck in the flesh. Before we got saved, we were stuck in the world, stuck under the influence of the devil, stuck in the flesh, if you will. When we get saved, thank God we are set free. We do not have to be slaves of the devil no more. We don't have to be slaves of the world no more. We don't have to be slaves of the flesh no more. By the way, the day we get saved and we get set free, they become our enemies in a tremendous way. You see, believe it or not, they were our enemies when we were stuck in them. But when we wake up to the realization of them, then they really become our enemies when we get saved, amen? And so I wanna to talk to you tonight a little bit about the world. We need to face and fight the world on a daily basis as believers. Now, let me give you, I, by the way, I got two points I want to I uh, preach tonight. And number one is this, the world is an enemy of the believer. Now, I want to try to just a few moments, keep your Bible open to Ephesians 2. Uh, what is the world that I'm talking about? I, I'm not talking about the trees. I'm not talking about the mountains and the grass and, and buildings and, and vehicles. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. The world meaning godless people who are under the influence of the devil. In fact, in Ephesians 2, we just read that it said about us, wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There was a time where I was a part of the world, where I was influenced by the devil. And now that I'm saved, I'm not to be. But the world that's unsaved are still under his influence. Amen? And so I, I, I'm talking about the fact is you and I have a, 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 an enemy out there and the enemy are the ungodly people, the godless people who are under the influence of the devil. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number six and, and verse number 12, it said this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see, the physical beings out there aren't our physical enemies. It's the one that's working through them in a mighty way. We'll look at that in a few moments. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but our fight is against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. You see, the devil is the ruler of the darkness of this world. He uses this world to influence us. Amen? And so this is our enemy. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 19, the Bible says, the world lieth in wickedness. The world lieth, if you will, in the lap of the wicked one, amen? The world is under his influence. And by the way, more and more, we are seeing it very, very evidently. The more we get rid of God, the more the devil's ugliness is shown. When they got rid of God out of public schools in, in the early 1960-something, they, they got rid of the Bible, they got rid of prayer, and all of a sudden the problem was no longer chewing gum. 
the, the crimes became greater. And now you have police officers. They call them what? Safety officers. Now you can't call them police, whatever it is. But now they're the one. I remember hearing an old preacher. In fact, I met him at, at the uh, Salisbury Baptist Temple. Uh, Dr. Bob Hamlin was preaching. We were on vacation years ago. I believe you were in your grandpa's arms, actually. That was a little while ago. You remember, right? But the fact of the matter, Johnny Flanagan was playing the music there as a preacher, a singer from Tennessee, and he has a song. It says, we've traded God for guards in our schools. That that's exactly what happened. We've, we've traded that. You see, the more you get rid of God, the more the devil has his influence, and the more we see its ugliness, if you will. Let me just say this. The world is the godless people that are under the influence of the devil. John 12, 31 and John 14, 30 called the devil the prince of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3 and 4, uh, the devil is called the God of this world, meaning the people of this world. You see, those that are lost out there, their eyes are blinded by the God of this world. The devil blinds the eyes, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine under them and they should be saved. You say, what is the light of the glorious gospel? It's the understanding. If people will understand the gospel truth, they will be saved and born again. But the devil is aggressively blinding them unless they become saved. And many times when the word of God is sown on their hearts, the devil like a bird comes to pluck the seed away lest they become saved. Amen? In fact, I remember preaching, I think it was here not long ago, on, on the fact of the sower and the seeds. The devil is not a Calvinist. The devil believes that God's word can save lost sinners. If the devil was a Calvinist, he would say, I'm not getting involved because there ain't no difference I can make. But the devil knows I can make a difference if I can keep these people blinded and keep the word out of their mind. Amen? And that's what he's aggressive doing. The godless people of this world, listen to me, they have their own philosophies. They have their own ideas on how to live. In fact, they're terrible ones. Turn with me, if you would, please, for a moment to Psalms chapter number one. Some of you are saying, brother, I already know where you're going. That's good. Come with me, please. <laughs> Psalms chapter number one. Listen, the world, the, the, the unsaved world, and by the way, they don't all think, well, I'm owned by the devil, and the devil's using me to promote this or promote that or promote the other thing. They are blind themselves. Amen? The world has its own philosophies and its own ideas. And by the way, those silly ones are creeping out. In fact, they're no longer creeping out. They're pouring out on society. It's okay for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman. It's okay. Well, we don't, want to, we don't want our child to make a decision on what they are, male or female, until they get old enough to decide. How stupid and how silly can you be? Let me tell you what the world is going through. It's going through confusion. And confusion is always of the devil, amen? The philosophies of this world are tremendously stupid, amen? No doubt about it. But I want you to know something. You and I, as God's people, have to be careful. We have to be careful we don't suck up and take in the philosophies of this world. Now, let me just say this. There are some philosophies of this world that come to us, we immediately shut down. Then there's others that are subtle. And they actually sound good. 
They sound good. Dr. Phil might tell you something. Oprah might even say something. Yeah. And they might say something that sounds good, but yet it's contrary to the scriptures. By the way, here's what we need to do according to, see, the, the unsaved world has its thoughts and its ideas and its philosophies and they make it known unashamedly and you and I that are saved, we have to be careful we don't allow their philosophies to creep in. And by the way, they creep in. Let me just tell you one of the dangers of God's people. Not opening the word of God. You watch TV. And they got the modern family, I think it is. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't watch it, believe me. But you got the gay couples and now they're pushing all kinds of movies out there where these famous stars are taking these little children and the, and the little boy wants to be a little girl and this famous star and these movies are heart-wrenching. I don't know if you understand. They are appeal. This little boy really believes he's a girl. And nobody wants to believe it. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. In our natural human affection, we feel for that child. Apart from our understanding of the scripture, you feel sympathy. The people that don't read and understand and study the word of God buy this stuff up. These philosophies, this gay couple so funny. They're normal people. They got normal jobs. And why in the world would you be so ridiculous? You understand what I'm saying? You get far from the word of God and you'll be oblivious. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Amen? You want to desensitize yourself? Shut the book. You'll be desensitized to discern evil and right. Hebrews chapter number five, shut the book. You'll not discern right and wrong. In fact, you'll start leaning toward the wrong. You gotta stay in the book, amen? Look with me if you would, Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. By the way, I think there's a degrees going on here. First of all, you, you, you got the casual contact where you're, you're, you're just listening to the counsel. And then before you know it, you're stopping. And now you've got some considerable contact because you're stopping to pay attention. And then before you know it, you're sitting down and you got comfortable contact. It's like worldly. By the way, worldliness don't usually, as I've mentioned before, one preacher said it's not usually a blowout of our tire. There's usually a slow leak. The counsel of the ungodly is just always out there. And every once in a while, if you're dull of hearing and if you're out of the scripture, you might stop and say, hold on a minute. Let me, let me, let me focus on this a little bit. And you, yeah, you know, hold on a minute. Let me just sit down a little bit. And that's what happens. Amen. Let me tell you something what God's people need to do according to Psalm 1-1 is we need to be separated we need to be a separated people, amen. Separated from what? Separated from their philosophies. You and I cannot buy the philosophies of the world that are against the word of God. We're in a day where Isaiah 5.20, they are calling good evil and evil good. And they're trying to make you and I like we're wrong for standing up for what we believe. Everybody can say what they believe boldly, but you can't. Amen? We need to be a separated people. We need to separate from the, cease my son, from hearing the things that cause you to err, amen? 
But not only do we need to be separated, that's only one aspect. Verse number two, we need to be a saturated people. Verse number two says this, but not only is he separated, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I need to be separated from the philosophies of this world lest they get a hold of me and change me and make me more like them. I need to stay in this book and keep my mind and my heart in this precious book, amen? You see, in Psalm 1-1, it's got to do with separation from the philosophies of the world, but it's got to do with saturation with the philosophies of God's word. Amen? Amen? You say, what does that lead to? That leads to success. Verse number three, it says this, and he shall be like a tree planted. That's that solid stable by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen? The world of philosophies are godless. And you and I need to avoid them, but we need to get into the word of God and get the philosophies of God in our heart and in our mind because it will help us to be what we ought to be, amen? You see, not only does the godless world, uh, the godless of this world uh, have their own uh, philosophies, but they have their own practices. The, 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 the godless people of this world have practices that are ungodly. By the way, the Bible says in Jeremiah 10 too, thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. You and I have to be careful that we don't pick up the ways of the world. And by the way, folks, you pick up things without even knowing it. We pick up things without even realizing it. Amen? The godless people of this world they live for the lust of the flesh. They live for the lust of the eyes. And they live for the pride of life. You say, where do you get that from? I get it from 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, the Bible says, uh, because if, and nor the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You cannot love the world and love the Father. And he says in verse 16, the very next verse, all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. The world lives for pleasure. The world lives for whatever their eyes want and whatever their feelings want and whatever their pride can get. And by the way, you and I can be seduced and, and seducted into that kind of lifestyle by just simply watching our neighbors. Oh, they got a new car, do they? I can't afford it, but I need to start looking better. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, they got a new boat, do they? Now, I'm not sorry. If you want a boat and that's the Lord's will for you, God bless you. My father-in-law said he was going by a vote and name it visitation. So if he was ever out there, his wife would just say he's on visitation. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, you know what I'm saying. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what the world says because they have no future. There is no judgment to come. There is no God in their mind. Amen. Their philosophies are based on an emptiness of eternity. Amen. You and I, we got to be very, very careful that we don't pick up on this world. Amen. Listen to me, before we were saved, we were the world, by the way. We were the ones they needed to avoid. Amen. We are now the ecclesia. We are now the called out assembly. We've been called out of this world, and we've also been called to stay out of this world. Amen. The ungodly people living under the influence of the devil, that's what we were, but Jesus delivered us. 
in Ephesians, which we looked at. We were stuck. We were stuck. We were stuck. But verse number four says, but God, the only reason we're not stuck anymore is because of God's salvation. Amen. He reached way down to save me and to save you. Yesterday, I gave an illustration about the woman bent over. You remember, some of you were here last night. We talked about Jesus in the synagogue, and he healed that woman that was bent over. The woman was stuck, bent over in a position for 18 years, and the Bible told us it was Satan who had, had bound her in that position. By the way, before we all, by the way, she got saved because Jesus called her to him. He didn't come to her. She, he called her to him. By the way, he calls people to himself to get saved. He didn't say, straighten up, come to me, and I'll, and I'll save you like Pentecostals believe. He said, you come to me just as you are. You remember that. And she was stuck over, and she came crooked, and he touched her, and he made her straight. But let me just say this. She is a great picture of salvation, every one of our salvation. Before she was saved, she was bent over, stuck in that position. What is the only thing you can focus on when you're in this position? The world. The world. You can't focus on anything but the world. Not until Jesus touches you and saves you. Then you can straighten up. Then you can look up and see there's a world beyond this world. A better one. Amen? Amen. Before salvation, that's what we were. Titus 2, 11 and 12. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. By the grace of God, we no longer have to be stuck in this world the way we were, amen? Because we're saved. Jesus saved us. And by the way, let me say it this way as well. Jesus saves us. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, once you're saved initially, you're eternally saved. Your soul is going to heaven forever, no doubt about it. But on a daily basis, we need his deliverance. And he still delivers. He lives to deliver us, amen, from this present world. Remember the purpose of Jesus' coming to this earth in the first place. We celebrate Christmas, Galatians 1, 3, and 4. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that's what he did first and foremost, but that he might deliver us from this present evil world. That's what Jesus gave his life for. He gave his life on Calvary to purchase my salvation. He lives his life on the throne of God to deliver me on a daily basis, amen? That's a wonderful thing. And by the way, it's that saving faith that gives us the victory. 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior gives us the victory over this world. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful truth? Listen, this world is an enemy of the believer. But let me just give you the second point. I'm already on point number two. And I don't even have a hanky. So I'm going to just sweat it. You know, Richard Simmons sweats to the oldies. I sweat to the old paths. Amen. <laughs> Let me give you the second point. The devil uses this world to influence and allure God's people from God's plan for their lives. Let me just say this before I even get into the world. He also... The devil also uses the worldly within. Sometimes it's not just the world out there that we have to worry about alluring us away from God and God's plan for our lives. It could be the worldly that are within. 
So sometimes, by the way, sometimes it can be a saved person that's worldly. A lot of times it can be an unsaved person that sits next to you and they look like they saved and smell like they saved and act like they saved, but they might not be saved. They could be a part of that mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with the children of Israel. They could be that part of that mixed multitude who began to lust for some things and actually provoked the children of Israel and instigated, amen? But anyway, I don't want to preach on that. I want to preach on this. The devil uses this world to try to get us away from God's plan for our lives. By the way, he tried that with Jesus in Matthew 4. He said to Jesus, Jesus, look at the kingdoms of the world. And, and he said, look, you bow down and you worship me. I'll give them to you. Get thee hence, Satan. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen. Or thou shalt not, thou shalt not worship, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. He tried to get Jesus off of the plan. By the way, there's a man in the Bible named Demas. You've probably heard of him, right? Demas' demise. One commentator said there's three times Demas is mentioned in the Bible. The first time is in Philemon, and he believes this is in chronological order, Philemon 24. Paul the Apostle called Demas a, a fellow laborer. You imagine that? Laboring shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with the Apostle Paul. You'd almost think you're on holy ground and this is going to keep you. It don't matter who you're with. Your heart is your heart no matter who you're with. No matter what church you're in, no matter what preach you sit under, it don't matter. But Demas was, was laboring and Paul said he's a laborer with me. And then the next mention of Demas is Colossians 4, 14. And here's the only thing it said. And Demas. Nothing else is mentioned. And Demas. This commentator said we first see him laboring and then we see him lulling. Lulling. In fact, I looked up the word lulling so I understood exactly what it means. It means to put asleep. The last thing we find about Demas is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10, where Paul the Apostle said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, the demise of Demas was he was laboring with the Apostle Paul, fervent and faithful. And then he's just mentioned by name in one place. We see him laboring, we see him lulling, and then we see him leaving. Amen? I just wonder what in the world was in the world that Demas was sucked into. I would imagine our day's worse. I would imagine, amen? There's, a, there's an example in the Bible, and, I, and I'm just trying to say this. Look, the devil uses the world to influence God's people on the outside. And at the same time, God is trying to use his word to influence God's people on the inside, amen? Now, we find in Psalm 73, which I'll just mention, a man named Asaph. If you read Psalm 73, it's a great chapter to read. He was part of the music ministry of the tabernacle system. Perhaps a song leader. He was in the music ministry. And Asaph, I'll give you a three-point outline just to give you the understanding of the chapter. The first thing we see about Asaph is his condition was critical. You see, what happened was Asaph said this in verse 2 and 3. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. And he tells us why. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph was ministering, serving the Lord. And if you probably saw him, he might have been singing. He might have been doing whatever. And you would think, praise God, praise God. But in his heart, at the same time he was doing all this service, in his heart he was looking and lusting and envious of the world and what it had. 
He was being pulled in his heart. He said, I was almost gone. Then the testimony skips down to verse number 17. Here's what he says. Asaph's correction was biblical. He says in verse number 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. You see, what Asaph said was, I was looking, I was lusting, I was getting envious, my heart was getting drawn away, I was almost gone, my feet were almost gone, but in the sanctuary of God, I got understanding. God opened my eyes to see and understand the way of the world is not good. They are in trouble. When destruction comes, it comes suddenly. God opened his eyes to see and understand and say, I don't want to go that way. And that leads to Asaph's conclusion was logical. Here's his conclusion. Verse 27 and 28. For lo, they are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Asaph was in his heart being tempted to get away from God and away from the things of God even while he was serving. But God's word got a hold of Asaph's heart, which got a hold of Asaph's feet. Psalm 37, 31, the law of his God is in his heart. His steps shall not slide. If God's word can get a hold of our heart, it'll keep our feet where they need to be. Amen? He said, it's good for me not to get away from God but to draw near God. Those that get away from God, those that go a-whoring and become unfaithful to God are destroyed. I don't want to be among them, amen? I don't want to be among them. Turn to Psalm 106, if you would, please. Psalm 106. And I want you to look with me for a moment. Verse number 34. Psalm 106. The testimony of the nation of Israel is a warning to us of the danger of allowing godless people in this world to influence us. Verse number 34, the Bible says this. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. Children of Israel conquered the land, but they didn't destroy the people God told them to. We don't get rid of the things God tells us to get rid of. They're going to come back and conquer us. Verse number 35. But were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. Remember I just said, learn not the way of the heathen. And they served their idols which were a snare unto them. In our day, it might not be idols we would serve. We would say, man, they look like they're having fun drinking over there. You go pick up the bottle, their idol, and all of a sudden it becomes a snare to you you can't get rid of. Looks like they're really having a good time getting high with the weed. We go try some of that. You try some of their idol, and before you know it, you ain't done their idol. It's, it's, it's taken over. Verse 37, yea, they sacrifice their sons and their daughters unto devils. Parents, when the world gets you, 
it usually gets your children. It usually gets your children. Verse 38, they shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled with their own works, and they went a-whoring with their own invention. Listen, they went from mangled to mangled because they got involved in the world and the works of the world and the ways of the world. Listen, the way that the heathens worshipped their gods was a very immoral way. And that's exactly why the children of Israel liked it. Amen? It was seemingly fun. It's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt, right? Let me give you a word of warning as I close, close up on this one this evening. Here's a, just a word of warning. We become friends with the world, James 4.4. 4. We, become, we become unequally yoked, as in 2 Corinthians 6, right? But it don't stay there. We wind up falling in love with the world. 1 John 2.15. Wind up loving the world, the things of the world. But that don't usually stay neither. Then we start to become conformed to the world. Romans 12.2, which we're told not to. But here's the problem. We wind up getting judged with the world. Revelation 18.4. In Revelation 18, 4, now I know it's talking about the tribulation period, but by way of application, I'll just tell you what the scripture says. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. It's talking about Babylon. Babylon's a picture of the world. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her sins and that you be not partaker of her plagues. You see, Christians can get involved with the sins of the world. There's no doubt about it. But you also get the same diseases they get because of those sins. There, there's people from the 70s, 60s, 70s. They did a lot of uh, 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 certain types of drugs they got involved in, and now they have hepatitis, a lot of them. There are certain sins that you get into uh, that you get the kind, hey, you overdose. Hey, Christians overdose too. You understand that? Christians become alcoholics. They lose their wives. They lose their children. They lose their homes. They lose their cars. You, you understand what I'm saying? We get involved with the sins of the world. We're going to face the same consequences that they're facing. Christians go to jail. Christians lie and, and steal and cheat and do other things. Amen? If the world has allured you in, the message for you is come out. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Come out from among them. Be a separate, saith the Lord. Amen? Come out. And it's also come back. James chapter 4, verse number 8. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Amen? Come out, come back and come out and God will bless you. One of the things that we need to do is we need to do what Moses did. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 27, here's what it says Moses did. By faith, he forsook Egypt. He forsook Egypt, amen? This is what God's people need to do. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The, 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 the world behind me, the Lord before me, no turning back. If you would, if you want to understand something, jot this down if you want to for your own future reading. Hebrews eleven twenty four to 27. It's about Moses. It said when he came to years, he grew up, he matured, he developed. 
he gave up. He gave up. He gave up worldly measures. He said, you know what? I'm not going to be worried about being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You imagine that? In the world, that's a position right there. He gave up worldly measures. And by the way, be careful. If you're a professional in here, be careful. Very easy to be sucked into being, admiring, you know, so many people above you. Say, well, I want to get there. I want my masters. And I now, maybe God's will for you, but be careful. Don't allow the pressure of that to cause you to do something. Amen? Well, we all have to be, I want to have status like them because they have a reputation and, and they're this and they're that and they're the other thing. Look, look out among you, brethren, not many. Amen? Moses gave up the worldly measures, but well, Moses gave up the worldly pleasures. He gave up the pleasures of sin that he could have had in Egypt at his fingertips. But he also gave up the worldly treasures. He gave up the treasures that he could have had in Egypt. Why did he do all that? To go out and suffer with the people of God and be what God wanted him to be. If God calls you to be a minister, don't stoop down to be anything else. Amen. Not even a politician, amen? amen. Moses grew up. He matured when he, and then he made the right choices and decisions. He grew up, then he gave up. And finally, he, then, he looked up. You see, when he forsook Egypt, he knew the king would be mad. Not fearing the rep. By the way, you go ahead and forsake this world. The king of this world is not happy. I don't understand what I'm saying. The king of this world. He, he, he feared not the king of Egypt. But what did he do? He looked to God. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you get through this world the right way? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen, you and I will not overcome this world unless we're looking over there. We are strangers and we are pilgrims. Strangers meaning we're not home. Pilgrims meaning we're headed home. Keep that in mind. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Paul told Timothy in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, he said, look, beware, people are running after riches. But you, man of God, don't make riches your goal. You follow the right things. And here's what he said to him: Fight the good fight of faith. Here's what he said. Lay hold on eternal life. So what does that mean? Don't try to get a hold of this life. You get a hold of eternity. May that be the reason you do what you do. Amen? Amen. May God help us. Jesus made a good confession before Pilate. Yes, I'm a king, but I'm not the kind you think. My kingdom's not of this world. Of a different one. Amen? See, Jesus wasn't trying to be the king of a little locale. He's the king of all. Amen? But the fact of the matter, you and I don't let this world get us. Focus on that world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Pray for your spirit to move in a special way as the preacher comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow your heads for just a minute. The world's our enemy. 
But you know, too often we we kind of lose sight of that. Tonight we've been reminded Reminded, beware. They're not our friends. God spoke to you tonight. Would you indicate by raising your hand, say, God spoke to me about this battle with the world. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. Thank you, Father, for that, that warning. Sometimes we, we get too comfortable, too complacent. Help us to be on guard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.